Hello and welcome to Tales from Imperial Russia with Dr. James White. What does Russia mean to you? What images does the word evoke? Heaps of snow, lakes of vodka, prima donna ballerinas, glowing church couplers shining in the sun, great novelists with unpronounceable names, the steadfast red walls of the Kremlin looking out over a parade of soldiers and missiles, a vast and unknowable space on the atlas slowly stretching into the east, the fluttering red flag brandishing the golden hammer and sickle. For me, Russia has meant many things. Beers drunk on the sunny shores of Lake Onega in a balmy July with a slightly sozzled off-duty police captain, hours upon hours in the airless, dusty, windowless confines of a journal reading room in the National Library, closeted deep within the stacks of old imperial newspapers, falling asleep next to a Russian stove in a friend's dacha, built in 1917, the harsh, biting winter wind channeled down the grandiose boulevards of St. Petersburg, and, increasingly over the last five years, it has meant the comfy, reassuring warmth of home. What does Russia mean, well, to the Russians? Beyond all the bluster about motherland and fatherland, to the vast majority, Russia is simply the site of a quotidian, of everyday life. They wake up next to their partners, wash, get their kids ready for school, and prepare themselves for the tedium of the commute. Some slump into cars just imported from Germany, kept sparkling clean in an unwinnable battle with the autumn mud and winter snows. Others, particularly the eternally put-upon Muscovites, cram themselves into magnificent metro stations, the gleaming chandeliers and neo-Roman pillars add distinct variants to the unseemly reek of body odour. Some will plonk themselves onto the worn-out leather seats of Czechoslovakian trams, built more like immense tanks than public transport. Others still might have to recourse to Moshrutki, cramped ramshackle minibuses, belching smoke into the early morning air, piloted by stoically mute drivers and captained by the irate ticket babushka, clinging to side rail, seat and passenger alike as she collects a handful of change for rite of passage. As they wind, weave and wait their way to offices and shops, many will see three other meanings of Russia, clumsily laid on top of one another, and Matroshka doll whose parts don't quite fit. The first layer is post-Soviet. Billboards of the latest Hollywood movies and HBO blockbusters. Burger Kings, KFCs, McDonald's, Subways. Towering skyscrapers housing Western banks. Crystalline shopping centres of glass and steel. The true temples of modern capitalist Russia. Then there is the Soviet. Grim factory chimneys crumbling under the weight of the sky. The grey concrete apartment buildings hurriedly built to solve the housing crisis wrought by the Second World War, a street sign proudly boasting the name of some obscure revolutionary martyr, neat little green parks, the sharp lines of experimental constructivist architecture in vogue in the 1920s, little cafeteria offering healthy doses of steaming cabbage soup and potato-packed pastries. And then we find the Imperial, in some places this lair is hidden, the little wooden church or merchant's house, out of place next to the looming concrete around it, the ornate rectangles of old provincial chancelleries, the scribbling of quills now replaced by the clattering of keyboards. 
In other places, like Petersburg, Moscow, and the tourist towns of the Golden Ring, it can hardly be avoided. Sumptuous Italianate palaces of the 18th century, the red brick Narishkin Baroque cathedrals of the 17th, solid square medieval fortresses. For Russians, then, their day-to-day -day existence is framed by these three layers of historical meaning, each jostling with the other, engaged in an endless quarrel about what Russia is and where it is going. But, for the majority, it is the last layer, the imperial, that remains the most mysterious, the most unknown. Ask a random Russian about this time, and you'll most likely get a schoolchild's answer. A list of czars, a famous battle or two, a writer, a composer, a painter of note. But this layer is the one that structures the other two. Without understanding the imperial, the Soviet and post-Soviet are meaningless. The purpose of this podcast is to explore this unknown country, lost in geography and time. And it wants to do so by moving away from the oft-retold stories of emperors and empresses, of palaces and politics, of victories and defeats. Instead, it wants to find the counterparts of today's Russians and tell the stories of sometimes ordinary, sometimes extraordinary lives lived within this long-forgotten polity. And it wants to ask them the same question. What did Russia mean to them? Society dames, downtrodden gamblers, fastidious shop owners, spoiled wives, slum children, scandalous journalists, drunken doormen, worn-out servants, loud cabbies, quiet academics, sold slaves, drowned sailors, and many, many more. All were made by Russia, and all made Russia. Once every two weeks, in podcasts of about 10 to 20 minutes, we will tell their tales. Before we dive into our first tale, though, there are three questions that need answers. First, what was Russia? It was not the same as today's Russia. For one thing, it was much larger, spreading from Warsaw in the west to Alaska in the east, from Helsinki in the north to Baku in the south. It encompassed today's Baltic states, large sections of Poland, Belarus, Ukraine and Romania, all of the Caucasus and much of Central Asia. It was an empire, not a federation. Through centuries of conquest, it had subordinated a seemingly endless space to the rule of the Tsars. It is within this immensity of land that all our tales take place. Although just like the people who lived in this country, we must sometimes cross seas, steppe and borders to follow them into Europe, China, the Middle East and beyond. This broaches our second question. Who were the Russians? Certainly we include the ancestors of today's Russians, an East Slavic people speaking an East Slavic language, mostly originating from a geographical core centred on ancient towns like Moscow, Novgorod and Vladimir. But these were not the only people who could claim Russian subjecthood. Under the Aegis of the emperors were Poles, Ukrainians and Latvians, Finns, Lithuanians and Estonians, Romanians, Armenians and Georgians, Azerbaijanis, Chechens and Dagestanis, Tartars, Jews and Turkmen, Mali, Chuvash and Udmurts, Bashkirs, Kazakhs and Cossacks, Altaians, Yakuts and Sami. Speaking a colossal panoply of languages and practicing an enormous array of faiths, 
all could claim some degree of Russianness, and so all are fair game for tales. Finally, the third question. When was Russia? Historians date the beginning of the Russian Empire to 1721, when Peter the Great declared himself Imperator, Emperor. Its end came in 1917, when the luckless, hopeless, friendless Nicholas II finally abdicated in both his name and that of his haemophiliac son, Alexei. However, lives do not often obey the carefully constructed chronologies of historians, and so neither will our tales. Sometimes we will go back still further, to the realm known by Westerners as Muscovy, and sometimes still further forwards, into the Republic of the Soviets. But, for the most part, we will remain within the two and a bit centuries, between 1700 and 1917. And one more piece of business, introductions. My name is Dr James White, a professional historian who lives and works in Yekaterinburg, a city on the very border between Europe and Asia. Some of the tales you will listen to are drawn directly from my own archival and library research, but many will be taken from the works of other scholars, both in Russia and elsewhere. I will always include my sources of information in the podcast description, along with further recommended reading. But how, perhaps you're asking, did an Englishman come to live in a distant Russian city, far not only from the United Kingdom, but even from the capitals of Moscow and St. Petersburg? I'm afraid, dear friends, that this is a tale for another time.